coming to you today via Facebook Live is, is indeed a first for us in a formatted service and following not only the national but state and local authorities request we're doing everything that we possibly can to honor those requests made by those individuals while at the same time maintaining as a corporate body of believers. We realize that many folk don't have the blessed privilege of having social media or devices that would screen such as, but we're going to do everything in our human power, not knowing the uncertainties that lie ahead of us in the coming weeks. We're going to do everything we can to make services available to the people of God. Praise the Lord. And we know that we are not alone. We know that many others are joining with us today via the same format all over not only this state but states abroad and throughout this great country. But we believe, glory to God, that God is overseeing the matter. And we believe that victory is already ours. Amen? We believe that it's only a matter of time before God himself will arrest this pandemic. Praise the Lord. And it will be wiped from the face of our planet. But until then, we're going to stay focused and we're going to keep pressing on to advance the kingdom of God. Yes, it's somewhat odd. Yes, it is indeed somewhat strange. But we know, praise the Lord, as the writer said in the book of Acts 2 and 17, and it shall come to pass. We believe that by the power of God and his word. I wanted to take a moment today just to encourage all of you who may have even embraced the ideology that we are disconnected as a body of believers. We are the ecclesia, or as some would pronounce it, the ecclesia, the called out assembly. Though we meet for services on a weekly basis in a designated area, let me emphasize again, we are the church. We as individuals, we are the body of Christ and we're going to keep honoring him and worshiping him and by his power and strength advancing his kingdom I want to minister to you today just one verse in the recorded scripture that Paul penned to the church at Colossians amen in Colossians chapter number 2 and verse number 8 chapter 2 and verse number 8 and the word of the Lord reads as states, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Glory to God. Father, add your blessing to your anointed word. Lord, let it penetrate the core of our beings, deep in the crevices of our hearts. Lord, that it may be embedded there and produce the fruit that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, history tells us that Paul pens this letter from a Roman imprisonment somewhere around 60 A.D. to a church in a city in Asia Minor known as Colossians. And he reminds the believers there, the Colossians, that the world's teachings 
They are empty when compared to the plan of God. And then he challenges his audience to understand that as believers, we have all that we need in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul is encouraging the believers to reject worldly deceptions. I want to use a thought today in our presence, losing my religion. Losing my religion. The oldest pagan religion that we have record of would be that of the Egyptians around 15th century B.C. But we discover that as God has revealed himself to Abraham earlier, he now, in the book of Exodus, reveals himself to Moses. In Exodus 3 and 14, God reveals himself as I am. He said the same to Abraham years before. And during that time, God structured a religion, if you would, for the Israelites and those uh, that religion involved forsaking all other gods. And as the Bible tells us, Genesis uh, 4.26, that men begin to call on the name of the Lord. So we understand that Christianity is nothing more today, saints of God, than a perpetuation or a carrying on of God's plan for his chosen people, the Israelites. So Christianity, in fact, became a light in a darkened world. You might say today, Pastor, there are a number of religions in the world, and indeed there are. Roman Catholicism has a following of over 1.2 billion people here on the face of the planet. The Islamic faith has 1.3 billion followers. Another popular religion is that of Hinduism that has over 900 million. We go on to note that Buddhism has 360 million followers. Judaism has 15 million followers in the world today. As of 2011, a Pew Research survey revealed that there are 2.1 billion Christians that inhabit this beautiful planet that we call Earth. So about 90% of the world's population is connected or tied directly into some form of faith and or religion. You might ask us today, well, pastor, what, what is the difference? What separates Christianity from all these other known world religions? We understand religion existed in the world even before Jesus came via the virgin birth. So we understand that the very significant difference or the distinct difference is that of a relationship. That of a relationship. For Christianity has one component, saints, that separates it from all other belief systems that exist in our known world today. Praise God. What is that, Pastor? That of relationship. What does relationship really mean? Relationship means the state of being connected. Hallelujah. 
We are so thankful today for the opportunity, Brother Gerald, to be connected with Jesus Christ via relationship. Amen. Through the washing away of our sins, glory to God. Through confession, through repentance, we receive, Brother Arbus, the wonderful gift of eternal life. No other faith has that component than the Christian faith. We are one with Jesus Christ. Let's face this grim reality. That our sins, according to Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sins separated us from God. We realize today as the body of Christ that sin had to be dealt with. We spoke last Sunday concerning the global flood that God unleashed on the earth in the book of Genesis that destroyed all breathing things that inhabited the planet. But God spared eight souls through which he replenished the earth. That sin was dealt with. In other words, that sin was punished. The Bible makes it clear in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, only through Jesus Christ could we receive the gift of salvation. As the order of the Old Testament was in place, there had to be shedding of blood for sin to be forgiven. We today are so grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The sad truth is, is that only, only Jesus Christ did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You might ask, Pastor, what would that be? He became a sin for us. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible makes this statement. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we clearly know today that apart from God sending his son Jesus and Jesus, Jesus willfully submitting his life via crucifixion on a cross and his blood shed for the sins of all humanity, no one would have ever gained forgiveness and have ever been declared righteous before God. Only God, through his son Jesus, did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You might say, well, pastor, there's nothing new about religion. Religion has existed throughout the ages. You are somewhat correct because religion was one of the most dedicated opponents of Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. Religion. What is religion? Religion is belief in and the worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially that of a personal God or gods. We know that people have worshipped figures. People have worshipped images all the way back through the 15th century when it was recorded that the Egyptians were some of the first people on the planet to practice what we now know as religion. Who were some of Jesus' most bitter opposition? 
Why the Pharisees, of course. Let's look at John chapter 8 and verse 19. Jesus speaking to them. When Jesus said, then they said to him, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. For if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Pastor, what, what, what point are you making here? The point I'm making is, is that the Pharisees were so committed to the keeping of the law that they failed to even recognize the anointed one. They failed to acknowledge the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who was standing in their very presence. It saddens me to say that if they would have, they still clearly chose to have religion over having a relationship. Brother Jerry, some argue that Christianity is no different than any other religion or faith in the world. Many people even say that religion is just a bunch of rituals. It's a, it's a bunch of rules that we have to follow in order to get to heaven. I guarantee there are a number of do's and don'ts, but we do follow them as the supportive evidence of our relationship that exists with Jesus Christ. Our love for God and our obedience to his commands are the end result of the fact that we have been born again. Amen. We belong to the family of God. We are his children. Let's look at John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Christianity is not signing up for something. Christianity is not enlisting to do anything. Friends, Christianity today is all about a relationship. One that begins with being born again into the family of God. Jesus made it clear to Nicodemus. It's very clear to us today. That unless we have a personal relationship with Christ, we are none of his. Praise God. I want to take a moment to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul's life was marked by religious zeal. He had a great energy. He had a great enthusiasm for religion. But he's one of our favorite persons of influence in the scriptures because Paul made one of the most miraculous transformations in the history of the Bible. Amen. Let's understand that Paul was born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. History says somewhere between 1 and 5 AD. He was a of the Benjamite lineage, Hebrew ancestry, according to Philippians 3, 5, and 6. Matter of fact, let's take a moment to look there for a second. Philippians chapter number 3 and verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, He was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That's quite a resume. That's quite a resume that Paul had. But the reality of the matter is Paul had it all wrong. He had it all wrong. Scripture tells us that he was taught by the rabbi Gamaliel who was the leading authority of the Sanhedrin council and that Paul became what some folks would label a religious extremist. Some folks have even taken the position that Paul was a religious terrorist who was determined to exterminate Christians everywhere. The sad truth is, friend, is that Paul believed that he did everything he did in the name of his faith. Do we realize today that our world has those individuals who believe that for the murder of Christians, they're going to receive special placement with their God in the afterlife? Is that amazing? No doubt Paul possibly felt this same way. Paul possibly thought that he would be rewarded for exterminating the church of the living God. In reality, Paul believed that his actions were authorized by God himself. Losing my religion. But in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, the Bible tells us that Saul was consenting to his death. Whose death? The death of Stephen. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. This was known as the diaspora or the great dispersion or scattering. And the scripture tells us devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Did this guy have some warped theology or what? Because he felt that he was authorized by God to commit those crimes. You read the scripture. The scripture said that he was basically tearing through the streets of Jerusalem, breaking into homes, dragging men and women to prison in the name of God. So Paul believed with all his heart he was doing the right thing. The word of God goes on to tell us in the very next chapter that before Paul departs from Jerusalem to Damascus, Historians say that would have been a between 135 to 150 mile journey. And Paul makes request of the high priest asking permission to imprison any Christians that he encounters along the way. The truth is that he is angry. He is now filled with rage. But he had no warning of an unexpected encounter. He had no advance warning that he would meet Jesus on that Damascus Road journey. 
Let's look at Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Acts 9, 3 through 6. The Bible says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. One translation said, the pricks. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Did Paul lose his religion? Absolutely. Because Paul found Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul lost his religion to find Jesus. And here, my friend, the Bible tells us that he fell immediately under conviction. And after doing so, he received divine assignments from Jesus Christ. He immediately identified Jesus who was crucified and yet he was alive. What a transformation. What a change that took place in the man Saul. We understand later his name is changed to Paul. But he is one of the most influential persons in the entirety of the scriptures. A lot of folks think that when they come to Jesus, that they will not have to live up to anything in their past. Well, let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, and we will make a startling discovery. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Jesus was speaking to Ananias, whom he had appointed to lay hands on Paul, that he might receive his sight and then be charged with the assignments that Jesus had reserved for him. So this reality comes to life. As much suffering as Paul himself afflicted, inflicted upon others, rather, that he now would be subjected to suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Did Paul suffer to spread the gospel? Certainly he did. He reminded his readers on a number of occasions how often his life was in peril. But then he declared, Brother Gerald, that God was with him. The Lord stood by him. You see, because of that, the greatest missionary, author, and soul winner for Christ was birthed because Paul lost his religion. 
All that came about as a direct result of Paul disconnecting from everything he had known and everything he embraced to follow Jesus Christ. Losing my religion. Oh my, no wonder Paul's life had such great power. He tells the church at Philippi in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Wow. Is that a powerful statement? What is Paul saying? Paul is revealing to us that in life or death, God is going to be glorified through his life. Paul is saying, if God leaves me here, I'm going to do everything in my strength to advance the kingdom. And should I die, my faith is such that I believe God will take the things that he has assigned me to do, the things that he has anointed me to do, the things he has called me to do to be a blessing in the lives of future generations. How many of us today are strengthened just when we read Paul's writings? We're strengthened. And then we begin to encourage ourselves. And we begin to say, if God did it for Paul, God could do it for me. We begin to say, Lord, if you used a man like Saul of Tarsus, who was wreaking havoc on your church, trying to exterminate the Christians of the world and destroy your church, then, Lord, I'm sure you can use me. Praise God. Lord, you can use me. It goes without saying that God used the man of God, Paul, mightily. He used him mightily. Oh my, he would minister before kings. He would minister before authorities. You're talking about a guy who politically was on his way up. We read his resume earlier. Paul was a man on the rise. But he found Jesus, and Jesus changed everything. Pastor, why would you say that today? There may be someone listening out there today who feels their life is of no value. There may be a person watching right now who has said to themselves, I have committed such horrible crimes against God. There's no way that God could love me. Paul even referenced himself on one occasion as the very chiefest among sinners. Paul was simply saying, you don't get much worse than I was. He was saying, I, I, was, I was rotten to the core. But God saved me. He gave me a new lease on life. And he gave me an assignment to take the gospel to the world. Paul didn't have the benefit of automobile. He didn't have the benefit of luxury coaches. Historians say that Paul possibly traveled in excess of 10,000 miles by foot to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a committed individual, all because he lost his religion. My last point today I would love to make in your presence is that of true religion, biblical Christianity. We said earlier that religion is the belief in and the worship of a superhuman controlling power. 
especially a personal God or gods. So then you may ask, Pastor, what is Christianity? Christianity is the belief in God, the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, which are based on the Bible as sacred scripture. Sure, all types of religion exist in our world today. Just minutes ago, I listed most of the well-known ones. But you might ask your question, which one is right? Which religion is right? Which religion is true? The only faith that connects us through relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only true faith in our world. You see, false religion, it pursues the observing of rules, the observing of rituals. And many false religions claim that the observance and following of such things will make us right with God. How many of you know that the law was powerless and that the law could not redeem us? The law only pointed to the error of our way. Paul himself said, The law was my schoolmaster, understanding that without the law, I possibly would have never known the error of my way. But Brother Eric, the law was powerless in that it could not produce salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. It only comes through a relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. True religion recognizes that only God could, cor he could correct the separation in our lives that was a direct result of sin. True religion acknowledges that. For the Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. We mentioned earlier, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness for sin. No other faith can make a claim to that effect. For it's only the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins and declares us right with God. Praise the Lord. How does that take place? How are we restored in relationship with God through reconciliation? What does that mean? It means to bring back into oneness. It means to restore the harmony thereof. That's what reconciliation means. One little brief definition I love Brother Anthony come and shares with us so often it simply means to kiss and make up. Isn't that awesome? That God was simply saying, I just want to love you. I just want to make up. I, I want to repair the wrong that existed between us. And he did so through reconciliation. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 and 19. 
2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Not only was God busy reconciling lost humanity back to him through his son Jesus Christ, but he has given the gift of reconciliation to you and I as believers. For what purpose? To restore those who once existed in a relationship with God. That's our business, reconciliation. We're about restoring individuals. The underlying message of the gospel is that of reconciliation and that through Jesus Christ, God has restored the harmony that existed between himself and mankind prior to sin. Musicians are coming. I want to share with all of us who are listening today all of those who are present in this facility today who have come to worship God, I want to encourage us today in knowing, glory to God, that we are about our Father's business. Paul, in that text, is exhorting you and I as believers. In today's text in the book of Colossians, Paul is exhorting you and I as believers to do what, Pastor? Paul is saying that we need to dismiss at least four deceptions that have eroded or eaten away at Christianity throughout the ages. It's nothing new to us. Paul has made it clear that these types of things are going to continue in our known world. So it's up to you and I as individuals to lose our religion and dismiss the four deceptions that have eroded Christianity through the ages. What are they? Number one, philosophy. Philosophy. What is that? Reasoning. Human reasoning. Do you know we have... Lots of people in the world today who say there is no God. Paul said dismiss those things. Secondly, Paul says dismiss deceit, which is deception. One of Satan's master plots. That of deception. Thirdly, Paul says dismiss the tradition of men. What would that encompass, Pastor? Traditions are those things that are handed down through generation and generation. Paul said dismiss those things. Lastly, Paul says dismiss the basic principles of the world. The basic principles of the world. Pastor, how could that be defined? It could be defined as the culture and the teachings that credit humanity and not Jesus Christ. How many have lost your religion to follow Jesus? Hallelujah. Paul said dismiss those deceptions. Have nothing to do with them. 
They are not pointing us in the direction of the cross. They cannot produce salvation. The gift of eternal life. Paul is encouraging us and believers everywhere to have nothing to do with those things. In closing, let me add that Satan himself, he cannot create any new efforts to deceive the world. <laughs> Can't. But what does the enemy do? The enemy copies what God has already accomplished. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, the enemy promotes a one world government, one world leader, one world religion, one world currency. This is an age that is to come. So the enemy counterfeits or copies everything that God has done. As there is a holy trinity, there's an unholy trinity. Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. And John in the book of Revelation makes it clear that the Antichrist is going to be so influential that even his fake death and healing or resurrection will deceive the world into following him. My friend, you and I, we've lost our religion. Hallelujah. And we belong to Jesus Christ. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Glory to God. All because we have detached from the system's religion of the world. What the world says with regard to religion. And we have arisen to the newness of life in Jesus Christ, our Savior. You might ask today, Pastor, what does it take for me? to come into relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The Bible said that man must first believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. It only takes faith. It doesn't take any body of works. It doesn't take any effort on our part. Hallelujah. All it takes today is faith in Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One who came to save the world. That's all it takes today to accept Jesus. Say, Pastor, I don't need to be in church for heavens. No, we don't need to be in church. We can be anywhere and call on the Lord. We feel God's presence wooing us into relationship. It doesn't matter where we are. But we can call on Jesus for salvation, glory to God, and openly confess our sins, be repentant, hallelujah, and then we can receive the marvelous gift of salvation, the transformation that Paul experienced, amen, to God, all because we have lost our religion. Isn't he a good father? Come on, give him praise in this place today. Isn't he a good father? Hallelujah. Sing to the glory of God.
God, maybe today you've made that acknowledgement that the Lord is a good Father. And maybe many of you out there today are listening and you're lost without Jesus Christ. It would never be fitting in this or any other setting without making the opportunity available for people to call on the name of the Lord. Indeed, we are facing some turbulent times. Without doubt, we are facing some uncertainties. But I'm thankful today to know that I not only know who holds tomorrow, but I know who holds all of eternity in the palm of his hand. Hallelujah. If you're lost today without Jesus, he came to save you. Glory to God, on one occasion the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, we know that you're weary. We know that you're tired. And this multitude of people have followed you. We need to send these folks away that they can retreat to their various destinations and they can eat and relax. Lord, even you yourself, I know you need something to nourish your body. But Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Hallelujah. Today, if you're lost without Christ, it's not the will of God that you would perish, but that you would gain everlasting life. Call on him today, wherever you are, and feel his peace as it floods your soul. You can know Jesus by losing your religion and becoming one, amen, as a servant of the Most High God. I pray the richest of God's blessings would be added to your life from this day forward. In Jesus' name.